6. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in uh, verse 10. says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us who've gathered here this evening with the purpose of even in this moment of the work week, Lord, where our bodies are fatigued and our minds are wore out from the work week, Lord, I pray that you'll refresh us this evening with your word. Lord, I pray that you'll give us wisdom, Lord, even as we meet here in a few minutes after the service, Lord, about making the right decisions. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know, we spent the last several weeks looking at the Christian and his battles. We looked at the whole armor of God. And as we looked at the Christian and his battles, and as we looked at the whole armor of God, you know, we realized that there's going to be enemies in this life that we face as we move forward for the Lord. But as I read on Sunday, I, my eyes were open to the reality that verse 17 does not end with the period, it ends with the colon. It means that in reference to Paul saying that we must put on the whole armor of God, that Paul is not only saying that we need the armor of God as we face the fiery darts of the wicked, but we also need the entire armor of God as we enter into another realm of Christian living. What is that? As we pray always with all prayer and supplication. Now, at the first thought of this, we say to ourselves, do we really need the armor of God as we pray? Do we really need the armor of God as we engage in, uh, in this communication with the Lord? Do we really face spiritual warfare in prayer? Paul tends to believe that we do. 
And if we're honest with all of ourselves, we can uh, to attest to the fact that we engage in spiritual warfare even as we try to nurture and have a prayer life as we serve the Lord. Just a few weeks ago, I found myself frustrated in trying to complete one task in helping my mom. She wanted her backyard cut, so I went down to cut her grass. And as I began to cut her grass, Caleb called me and said, Dad, where did you put the gas can? So I stopped cutting grass so that I could answer his question, and then I went back to cutting grass. As I went back to cutting grass, my mom came out on the back porch to speak to me about cutting her grass. So I had to stop cutting grass so that she could explain to me that she wanted to cut the grass, but she just doesn't feel physically well enough to cut the grass. Well, when I went back to cutting the grass, I put my headset back on and pushed play on the sermon that I downloaded. And as I started to cut the grass, the sermon didn't fully download, so I had to stop cutting grass to re-download the sermon to cut grass again. I'm about to lose my mind. But finally, I'm cutting grass. I'm making progress here. And I get a phone call which stops me from being able to cut the grass. And I finally just say I quit and told my son to cut the grass. I feel like oftentimes this is too many believers' prayer lives. We set out daily to have a prayer life. We set out daily to commune with the Lord. But as we set out to have our prayer life, and as we maybe set out to read our prayer list that we write down on the phone, across the top of the phone comes the text message. As we enter into our prayer life, here comes the phone call that rings across the phone and we end up stopping prayer to read the text message, stopping prayer to answer the phone while we find ourselves in our prayer life. Lo and behold, something slips into our mind that we need to do and complete throughout the day or something comes into our mind that has to do with us uh, what we did last night. And before we know it, Though we are posturally prepared to pray, our minds have wandered far from the task that we originally set out to do and pray and speak to God. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, the Lord challenges us to get away. He even mentions there in the closet. This is to set out in our minds that we should go and try to find a place to pray away from the world so that we can have uninterrupted communion with the Lord. But one thing that we must realize is that though we complete this task, that even if we heed Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, whether we have a prayer closet in our home or we have a place in our home that we can actually slip away and pray. Though that we have completed this that the Lord has told us to do, it doesn't mean that we are outside of the grasp or the temptation that Satan prevents, presents before us to cause our minds to wonder. In the Gospel of Luke, we read about when the Lord went out into the wilderness, do we not? Matter of fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, when this, the Lord went out into the wilderness, the Bible says that the Spirit led the Lord out into the wilderness. So the Spirit leads the Lord out into the wilderness 
so that he can have this time of prayer and communion with his heavenly father. And you know what we find when the Lord goes out into the wilderness? Lo and behold, 40 days of temptation from Satan. The spirit led him there. And lo and behold, Satan arrives on the scene. And so it is even for us in our own prayer lives. The Lord encourages us to get along with him, to enter into the prayer closet. But though we get away from people, though we may get away from the distractions of people, it doesn't mean that Satan will not arrive even in our prayer closet and begin to tempt us. Well, how do we protect ourselves from this moment? By putting on the whole armor of God, even when we enter into the prayer closet. That when we enter into the prayer closet, we constantly remind ourselves in the helmet of salvation why we are even in this posture. That we remind ourselves why we have entered into the prayer closet, because there is that warfare going on in this world. That when we enter into the prayer closet, that we put on our faith that even when Satan arrives in our prayer time to cause us to doubt that God can really heal them, that can God really save them? How long have we prayed that our faith quenches all of the fiery darts even in our own prayer life? This is why there's a colon here instead of a period. We must have the mind of Christ we must have the mind of a soldier of Jesus Christ even in our own prayer life. The prayer time is what we would say is a battleground. Prayer time is a war zone. Prayer time is the walkie-talkie call from the battlefield that we need reinforcements. It is the, what says to us that we need help. We, we need to realize this morning that Satan is not afraid of eloquent speech. Matter of fact, he doesn't care how eloquent you do speak. He doesn't care how persistent your speech is. He doesn't matter if you talk all day long. He does not fear that you even have a place to, swim, so to slip alone away to pray. It's not the mechanics of our speech that bothers Satan. It's not what Satan fears. Satan fears who is, on the who is the recipient of our prayers when it comes to the matter of prayer. It's not all, us at all. It's who we're casting the lifeline to. It was said that a man was praying one day in the church in England it said that his English was terrible. It was broken. He was doing a horrible job, they said, or you could say maybe a great job destroying the king's English. While this man was in the church praying, there was a late, another lady to the side who listened to this young man's prayer. After the young man said, Amen, the lady approached the young man and just let him have it about how terrible his grammar was. She said, I've never heard someone articulate so poorly in my entire life. The young man turned to the woman and said, but lady, I wasn't even talking to you. Prayer is just that. It is communication with God. This is what makes us have so much 
ability in this life and power in this life. It is to whom we draw from. It is not how we speak. It is not the eloquence of our speech. It is that, that we have power in prayer. Satan fears prayer. That's what causes him to worry. Matter of fact, I believe Satan would be more worried if we would just as believers spend more time talking to God than we do to each other about our problems. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This word used here, prayer, is the word pro-sushi. It is a word that is referenced in the New Testament, and this word is only used to specifically present that whoever is doing this act is communicating specifically with God. Now, it is also to say that the person who is engaged in this act is engaged in this act because they are acknowledging the power and the sufficiency and the one whom they are speaking to. So he says, pray in all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Prayer is a moment where the child of God steps back and, and announces aloud the sufficiency and the power that rests in our heavenly father. It is in itself an acknowledgement of the God that we serve. The soldier is now, we see in this text, suited for war. He has the equipment on. He is engaging the enemy. Yet what Paul brings to light here in verse 18 is that while the soldier is engaged in spiritual warfare, while he is fighting the battle, the very air he breathes, the very words upon his lips, the very cry from his heart should be that of prayer. And this is the reminder that as he's engaged in battle, he is in desperate need of restoring. He is in desperate need of guidance. He is in desperate need of insight as he is engaged in spiritual warfare. I watched a documentary when I was out a couple weeks ago, and this documentary was all about World War I. The, it was kind of an amazing situation here because it was said in World War I, there was enough tunnels dug, trenches dug during World War I that they could have actually wrapped around the world. I couldn't figure that out. How could that many tunnels be dug on both sides? But it was said that as England was engaging with Germany, because the English soldiers had no communication back to base, they had actually dug so many tunnels that they had impaired the heavy-duty artillery from moving forward, engaging in the battle. No communication. And this led England to do something that was unheard of. They began to stretch phone lines for miles and miles and miles because they could not afford for soldiers who had good intentions to behave in this manner again without communication and cause a big plunder in the battle because they had good intentions, but they acted out of sort. 
When we receive the great commission that we read in the New Testament, yeah, the command is the deed to go forth and preach the gospel. But the command for us to go forth, it's not only to Jerusalem, it's to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. But when we receive this command, this command was never given on the basis that we don't touch back home with home base. It was never given that we just go live our Christian life and never communicate with the Lord about what he has in store for us in our lives. And what happens is when we don't communicate with the Lord, not only do we miss out on the blessings that he has intended for us, but even in our good nature and good intentions, we end up behaving in a manner that God has not intended us to behave. So he says here, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. This statement here, praying always, we, comes from the Greek word keros. It doesn't really present to us a, a succession of minutes, meaning that when he says praying always, it's not that Paul is allotting here a specific amount of minutes in a day in which we should pray. He's not even really allotting a specific time in the day in which we should pray. What he's really saying is that every believer should have a specific time in a day in which they pray. It is to say that there is a distinct time praying always, praying every day, praying in a special moment, in a special time, that we every day have a special time of communing with the Lord. Now, we oftentimes like to say, you know, I end every day speaking to the Lord. I, I, I end every day closing to the Lord. But the truth is we probably just fall asleep during prayer. We may have a, a thought that goes through our mind like, well, Lord, it was a... <clears throat> My wife tells you, once I hit the bed and sit down, it doesn't matter if it's the upright posture or the down posture, I'm going out. Don't matter who I'm talking to. What does this really mean? What, what am I trying to say? It's saying that when Paul is saying praying always, it is to kind of set forth that in this specific amount of time that we set forth in a day, a specific time that we find ourselves in prayer, that it should not be a side note of what we are doing. It should be a specific time in which we specifically have one motive, and that's to communicate with the Lord. See, if I spent the rest of my life giving the time right before bed to the Lord in prayer, I wouldn't have much of a prayer life. It's that we desperately need to have this time in the day where we Seek the Lord's face. And so he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. This isn't to spice up the charismatic movement that we see today. This doesn't mean that you have some kind of physical action that you do with your body. No, I don't think you have to be on your knees to pray. No, it's not that this, uh, this movement at all. But to pray in the spirit is unique. To pray in the spirit. Now, we already seen above in the previous verses that, that the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So in order to pray in the spirit, 
is to literally pray biblically. It is to in the word of God. It is to communicate in the name of Christ. It is that our prayer is consistent with what the word of God says. It is that our prayer is consistent with the nature of the Lord. So he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, meaning that not only should we have this specific time to pray, but the specific time in which we pray should be consistent to the writings in the word of God. And if we write in the word of God, which we know the spirit moves by the word of God, then our prayer life in order to be in the spirit must be consistent consistent with this. And then he says, supplication in the spirit and watching. This word watching actually means to lie sleepless. It comes from the word group neo. It's actually used many times in the New Testament. And here's a couple different places in the New Testament in which it is used. Mark chapter 13 and verse 33 says, take ye heed, watch. Meaning, take ye heed and lie sleepless and pray, for ye know not when the time is. When the Lord is speaking about the end times in Luke chapter 21 and verse 36, he says, watch ye therefore. Meaning, lie sleepless. Don't, don't, don't sleep. And watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. It is even used in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. It means they literally are lying sleepless as they watch over you. That is how serious the task is. This is how serious the responsibility is. So what does that mean if it is the matter that used in responsibility? Paul says this is so serious that we should pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Meaning we should lie sleepless as we pray, not only in the spirit, but as we pray for each other. Satan's attack upon each and every one of us should cause us to lose sleep at night. That's what he says. And if we were truthful, if we would really give time to take in, we do well at the ostrich effect when it comes to the state of our nation. Spare our heads in the sand and don't acknowledge the problems. But if we would really take in the true condition of our family. We say, almost tongue-in-cheek at times, I do it. I'll pray for them. They're lost. But I don't like to connect the reality of the fact that they're lost because when I connect the reality of someone being lost, it disrupts my emotions. It hurts me to think, is this loving family member that I have really going to burn in hell? Yes! That is the equivalent, that is what it means when we say they are lost, weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place where the worm dieth not. When we take in the reality of the condition of our families, or the condition of this nation, or the condition of churches across this nation, 
we step back and say, Paul, how could you ever say to lie sleepless as we think about the conditions of all of the people in this world? Well, when we unplug from the reality of the condition, it's confusing. But when we take back in and take into a full account what it means for the people who are in this condition, it then begins to make sense how he says, lie sleepless. Lose sleep over it. It's okay to lose sleep over the condition of not only the nation, but of our lost loved ones, of our churches who are in need of this country, or even the needs in our own lives. Notice what he says here. It's not just to watch, meaning to have moments like this every once in a while. But when Paul says this here, watch thereunto with all perseverance. This isn't just a moment in time. Meaning, Paul doesn't present that this, this bothersome reality that we live in, it, it's not just this single moment that we experience. But what he's really saying to sit down and to ponder the situation and to, and to really fully always pray, always with all prayer and supplication and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication to all saints. It, to watch, meaning to persevere, meaning this is a continual action. This is something that we should not give up on. This is something that we should continually find ourselves in. I think we often find ourselves is that prayer is like we check the box. Several years ago, I had a young man come to me and said, the reason that I'm doing such a bad job at times is because I really feel like I need more money. I deserve more money. So, oh, okay. He said, if you'll just give me more money, I'll do a better job. But I'm doing a sloppy job because you're not giving me what I think I deserve now. We fixed it because then he needed a job. But I think that we sometimes treat God in this manner. I came to you. I prayed. Now it's your turn. Give to me. Give to me what I deserve because I showed faith that I prayed. I showed faith that I acknowledged that you was God. I mean, I know you're sufficient to do it. I'm waiting on you. In reality, that is the exact opposite of what Paul's presenting to us. We are to persevere with all supplication for all saints at all times. It's not enough to say, I pray that God would save my son. It's that I'm always praying that God will save my son. It's that God knows when I come to him in this specific time of the day, he knows without a doubt that he's going to hear from his son, Father, please save my son. Praying always with all supplication. See, this is the reality of it all. And this is what we cannot forget. Even in prayer, Satan never gives up. Even in prayer, he is persistent. 
<laughs> he is resourceful. I mean, if we would just be honest about our own prayer lives, how many times that we go to the Lord in prayer, and while we're in this moment of prayer, we find ourselves distracted. It happens. Where did that come from? You're like, the Lord was just having this time of communion with you, and all of a sudden he put a thought in your mind to distract you from continuing to talk with him? My wife tells me all the time, she says, I'm just going to stop talking if you're not listening to me. I said, I'm listening. She said, look at me. And so it is with the Lord. How can we really say that we're engaged in a conversation with the Lord if we're stop looking at him? Well, Lord, you know my heart. It's just, it's not true. Satan's desire is to do as much damage as he can. So Paul says, when sleepless nights come, when the bothers of this world are upon you, don't waste it. You have engaged in the spiritual warfare. When you lie sleepless, this is a golden moment to find yourself in communion with God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This is the continuation of warfare. That we even not only have on, on guard how the world views us, but we have on guard and we do everything we can to protect our time as we speak to the Lord. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time of being in your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, as we're gleaning from your word to, uh, to protect this time in which we speak to you, Lord. To find ourselves, it's, it's not enough to get a, away from the distractions of this world, Lord, but to clear our minds, to put on the helmet of salvation, to put on faith that as we enter into prayer that all doubt will be casted out because of our faith and that we put on the helmet of salvation that we filter out, Lord, anything that doesn't pertain to our uh, communion and conversation with you and that we're firmly planted in this gospel knowing that it is the only answer that changes the, this world and all of this is tied together in truth and that if we look to the left or look to the right, our view may be obscured. But if we will just stay in your word, truth will be unveiled to us, Lord. May we learn from the teachings of the Spirit as we read your word, Lord. And may we learn to pray in the Spirit. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.